do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode 300, sweetie. And you know what that means, don't you? means celebration. <laughs> that, that's an inflatable. Whoa, blowing up balloons. That's a popping cork sound. Okay, that was lame. <laughs> Is that better? Oh, then you hear it pour. Bubbly. And here's a firecracker. Don't I don't want to hurt your ears, everybody. Oh, I'm scared. Oh. Oh, I like that. Yeah, three hundred. I like that one. What's that one? Sounds like firecrackers. Do that. Go back to that one that pops and goes in the sky. Okay, this sounds like Fourth of July, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, a little bit, I guess. I like it. I guess. Um, so say something good about our 300, sweetie. So this is our 300th podcast, which is, that's a lot of podcasts. Um, that's almost a year's worth of podcasts. So you could listen to one every day for a year almost and be pretty content. Almost. Yes. And actually we have a few more than 300 because I think back when we were do our, doing our interviews, we didn't include that as a real um a real podcast? We didn't give it a number. We just gave it a name because so, of the person. Is this a fake 300? This is a fake 300. This is probably more like our 315th. So but, we, but let's not say that to anybody other than our listeners. Yeah, let's not tell anybody. Um, so we've been doing this podcast for five years, and we made a commitment that we would do a show a week no matter what. No matter what. And I think we've done that. Uh, we replayed it when my mom passed away. We, so. That's right. We, we we replayed an episode when your mom passed away. And that was about it, I think. I think so. So here we go. Right now, Todd and I are dancing. We're recording this on a <laughs> Tuesday night in the basement, and it's cold. I have two blankets on. But cool in the gang are here. How about I do some of the... <laughs> How about I do some of the sound effects? Um, oh, I lost this sound effect. On top of the song? Yeah, I was going to do that, but maybe not. So happy 300, sweetie. Happy 300, Todd. Thanks for listening, everybody. Do, 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 do. It's one of the greatest songs ever made, as far as I'm concerned. Celebrate do you think when they times, when they came out with this song, they knew how big it was going to be? Do you think they knew we played on Zen Parenting Radio? No. Do you think they cared? What year do you think this was? Um... 78? I don't know. It was uploaded onto YouTube in 2009. Well, I don't think that was it. You don't think it that's out. it? Um, so, yeah, good. So we are just going to carry on as usual and have a show about... We're going to chop wood and carry water. Yes, which is our favorite Zen saying. What does that mean, Do you guys know that saying? What does that mean? It, um, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. I can't tell you how much that quote helped me when I heard it because what does it mean to you basically what it means is while you are looking to find something different or be or wake up or notice what's happening you think that once you get there or once you have enlightenment that everything's going to change but the truth is you just wake up and you continue living your life um, you become more aware and more present, which is beautiful. And you obviously probably have more joy and more connectedness, but you got to keep on living. Uh, keep on keeping on. You got to keep chopping the wood and carrying the water. It's not like magical things happen afterwards where you don't have to keep living. You do. Things still happen. Um, you know, life goes on and chop wood, carry water. And keep trucking. 
But that's, that's at the end of the show. Yeah, don't say that too soon. Um, what are we talking about today? I honestly have no idea what we're talking about. Well, today. we're going to talk about two things. We're again, this is Kindness Month, and so we are going to talk about things that connect to kind to kind. I say kindness that connect to kindness, and um, one of the things that connects to kindness is emotional hygiene. Um, well, that's good because. Um, I probably have more hygiene from an, an emotional standpoint than an actual standpoint. Todd doesn't like to shower, so his physical hygiene is sometimes lacking. Um, Guess how many showers I took today? How many? None. Well, you may not be alone in that. It's 7.24 p.m. I know. I did take a shower. I really like to take showers. And I worked out. Gross. A little stinky. Gross. But I'm, I'm glad we're across the table from each other. Who cares? Other. Well, you don't, but sometimes the people who are around you do, and there have been times when it's just time to take a shower. We just got adjusted to the chiropractor, and Skylar usually lays on my back while she gets adjusted, yeah. and she had to get off because she said I stunk. <laughs> Those are usually the indicators. Kindness month. It's Kindness April. Month. So, so, we are going to talk about emotional hygiene. Okay. And we are going to talk about what that means and how that relates to kindness. And I also want to talk about something that came up with my daughter today that I thought was really interesting. And I think it gives us, it kind of sheds a little more light on what kindness means um, in an everyday experience. Today, my daughter came home and she was telling me, she hurt her hand and she was saying, her thumb kind of hurt and it's been hard for her to write. And I said, did you tell your teacher that your thumb hurt and maybe it would be hard to write? You know, I just, we were just having conversation. And she said, you know, I don't really want to do that with adults because sometimes when I tell adults I can't do something, they say, yes, you can do it. Or what do you mean you can't do it? Or you've done it before. And she gave all these kind of examples of the way adults talk like to kids. Like from a teacher or? Yeah, like a teacher or anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, like any adult, you say something like, um, you know, I don't know how to do that. And an adult often says, oh, you know how to do it. I already told you to. And so what that what that leaves is the kid feeling that they should have known how to do it and maybe they shouldn't have asked the question and it doesn't really help. help. But bottom line is they feel worse after asking the questions than better. Exactly. So do you mind if I share the short the story about I'm you know, not the kitchen? I'm quite ready to share that. Really? I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. So it was interesting. She had told me that while we were upstairs and then we came downstairs and, and Todd was making her some food, some after school food. And I was in the office working and I heard their conversation. And part of her homework was she had to uh, write down her address. And so she said, dad, what's our address? And you said, I said, uh, what grade are you in? You are in second grade and you don't know our address. How can you not know our address? And I came running out. Because I think she, by the way, she has known it before. Correct. So, that is that is so true. So from my logical, practical brain, they, I was like, They really? actually had to learn it in preschool, remember? They had to do that whole assignment. Yeah, with, so you can understand why I'm like, what? Well, and here, here's the thing. I do understand why you say that. I feel the same way sometimes. When so basically girls... I made her feel really bad. Right. But before I, I want to like focus on you for a second and say, I'm not trying to make you feel bad because I think adults do that kind of thing all the time. Hey, man, it's just another uh, opportunity to get better. To recognize what we're saying and why we're saying it, because Todd wasn't in a bad mood. She wasn't even upset by it. I was the one who came out and said, OK, Skyler, remember the story you told me upstairs? I said, Let's tell dad that story because mm. he just said something that was very similar to what you were telling me. And I told you the story and you were great about it. You were like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you weren't 
you weren't defensive. You were yeah. like, oh, that's, you know, I don't know why I said that. Um, but basically what I explained to Todd is that when she's saying, I don't know what our address is, she doesn't. So to say to her. I could have sh- said, you know better, or you, of course you know that. And she didn't. So Or you should know that. How right. can you not know that? And what is that? It's it's basically making her feel bad about asking the question. Yeah, sprinkling a little shame for a Wednesday. <laughs> or is it Tuesday? It's a little shame sprinkle. Yeah. Um, and so, again, is that going to like cause like a big problem. It's a mini withdrawal. It's a mini withdrawal. It's something that in that moment, she may not have been thinking deeply about it. But ironically, we had just discussed it upstairs. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to, first of all, let her know that I understood what she was saying. And number two, to bring Todd into the mix. So he understood that that bothered her. So I think the bottom line is, is how we connect this to kindness is sometimes we say things to kids and we think we're being really teacherish or we think that we're like, you know, trying to make them feel better by saying you should know that or we think we're empowering them and Mm -hmm. really we're just not being very nice. Yeah. I, if I tried to get inside my own head of what I was thinking about when I answered, I guess I was surprised. And instead of thinking through how I was going to react, I just reacted, which was how can you not know what our addresses. I don't think there was like any bad intent in that at all. No, and I, none. I think that's our programming. Yeah. I mean, I hear older people, you know, like people our parents' age, our parents say things like that all the time. We've heard those things our whole life. I still will, you know, will ask a question maybe to appear about, oh, where did you read that? And they'll say, you don't know where I read this? Mm -hmm. I can't believe you haven't read that book. I mean, we do it to each other. Yeah. And what is, and I guess what I want us to notice is why, why, why are we making someone feel bad? Like, why not just say, oh, you don't know the book? Oh, the book is this. And then I may say, oh, wait, I remember that. Mm -hmm. But allow me to have that recognition rather than shame me for not knowing. Well, I think very easily somebody be like, ah, you guys, you know, what do you want me to be? The perfect parent like you know things happen and the first thing is of course things happen of course and the other thing is i mentioned the word mini withdrawal which is we talk about the emotional bank account there's deposits and withdrawals with everything that you do in a relationship and this is minor this is just a teachable moment for me or for the audience or for whatever so we don't mean to think like you're a bad dad for shaming your daughter about not knowing an address it's so small but what you can use you can use this story for bigger things. Exactly. That's that's the game here is it's not about, okay, if you do this, you did something wrong. It's not about hand slapping. It's about can we continue to evolve and wake up to w- what we're saying to our kids and why? And the important thing about this story is she had just told me that those kind of responses from adults were difficult for her. And it's about the cumulative... Um, cost of that. So in other words, if that is the only thing I do is all of a sudden that one mini withdrawal, if I do that every day for three weeks, that mini withdrawal becomes something bigger. And then I ask myself, how come she doesn't come to me for anything? Well, that's why. That's why. Or you do it once a week for 10 years. Like things add up where we start to, you know, when I, you know, I work with a lot of kids, um, you know, pre-adolescent kids and I will say, well, why don't you tell your parents about that? Well, I know exactly what they'll say to me. They'll say blah, 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 yep. blah. Kids know what their parents are going to say to them. They're they smart, know their personality. They're clever. They got good – and kids especially, in, and we're not going to talk about teenagers, but kids like fairness. They and do. if they don't feel like they're being treated fairly or they don't have an opportunity to uh, get their point made, even if even if your kid wants to do something that is irrational, like sleep over at a friend's house even though they're like seven years old right. or go out with a boy before it's time. 
time or whatever, you need to at least listen to those things as opposed to squash it. I am much more the squashing between the two of us. Mm -hmm. You are such a better listener and thank goodness for you because if, if we were the same, I think our kids would be different and we balance each out balance each other yes. out nicely. I'm we not going to not throw myself under no. the bus, but one thing that you do is allow them to express their opinion, even if it's something that we wholeheartedly disagree with. As parents, I think sometimes we try to shut it down for whatever reason. Well, I don't even know because why. Because the opinion that they're sharing or the feelings that they're sharing doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily get what they're asking for. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're saying they're right. We're just giving them the opportunity to say what they're feeling. And then we can say, oh, that's interesting. Or I look at it this way. Or, or thank you for sharing. There's and when a child says, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know what this is, all we have to say is, okay, well, let me help you with that. They may then realize, oh, wait, I did know this. Mm -hmm. But again, let them realize it. So we just had another thing actually happen like an hour ago. I came, I came home with food for dinner. Oh, yeah. And you were upstairs with Skylar. Yeah. And I don't know what it was all about, but she got really sad. And I, well, how would you describe um, her release? What was she, she doing? She just needed to cry and move around. She's always been really good at that. And she's our eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. And she's been, to your point, she's been good at that since she was three. Mm -hmm. We did a show four years ago about waffles. And she just said, I just need to get my sads out. Yeah, and then she just cries. And, and I think us as parents, we try to, um, it doesn't fit our agenda for the day. You probably had something to do the minute she started crying. <laughs> what were you doing? I was I was responding to all those emails that we were talking about in the car because I was supposed to get back to them before six. So you're in the middle of a bunch of yeah, things, uh -huh. and then she starts crying. So which annoys me. Which is annoying because there was all sorts. I was saying to the other girls, leave her alone. I could tell she was in a bad space. Do not bug her. Be calm with her. I need to go do this. You know, I'm kind of trying to set the tone for them. And I wasn't saying to them, you guys always bug her. I was saying. You guys are, I understand you're not trying to do her harm, but her fuse is short. Yeah. So don't even go near understand her. Understand the situation. Exactly. And unfortunately, there was some nearness. <laughs> they went near her and she just didn't have the frustration tolerance. So she really lost it. We went upstairs, laid her on our bed, and I just sat there because there's nothing. No I words to, of wisdom. Nothing. I had nothing to say, but I also wasn't going to leave her. Right. I think something I used to do. Um, when the girls were little, little, and I think this had a lot to do with my own frustration tolerance because I was with them all the time, right. is I would have them go lay down in the room and I'd often leave, probably just to get my own act together. You probably learned that move from me, sweetie. Well, no, I think I really was mad and I wanted to not be there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and there's nothing wrong with leaving for a while and coming back. It's not that I'm... Um, I don't feel necessarily guilty about that, but I think what I've learned, uh, especially because it doesn't happen as often, is that if I just sit there, they continue to do the same thing. She cries, she moves, she moves her body, she kind of rides around. And then once she's done, there's a better connection because I was there for it. Well, not only is there a better connection, odds are if you would have left the room, she would have cried a louder. lot longer, right. a lot louder. Right. So it's more like, uh, what's the best return on your investment of time? And it is... Do you want to deal with this for five minutes laying with her or 30 minutes ignoring her? You know what? Something I was thinking about as I was laying there is I was thinking about a lot of times people say to me, my kid had an hour-long tantrum or my kid tantrum for four hours. And I always wonder, were they really having their tantrum or was there things happening where you were trying to stop them or you were walking in their room and checking on them or you were saying something like, are you done now? Mm -hmm. Or now you don't get dinner or now you're grounded where... 
a lot of times they're just trying to have their release. And if you just kind of leave it alone, they will complete it themselves. So what if I'm, uh, I'm going to be devil's advocate okay. and a listener saying, sounds great, Kathy and Todd, but I have to get my older daughter to lacrosse practice. Totally. Oh my gosh, I hear that. What do I do? You know what? These are the difficult situations where I don't have an answer to say, well, in that situation, you do this. Right. Because I don't know, is there someone else around that can take her? Is it okay to be a little late? Um, can you get the, the younger child to a place where they can actually like, maybe they're still upset, but they can actually start moving again? What I know for sure is if you continue to yell at them, it's going to get worse. Yeah. So I don't have the perfect answer for here's how you get them in the car. Mm -hmm. I don't know yeah. because I've run into that too. Like I've run into like, okay, we got to get here. It's time to go to school or it's time to get to this place and things are not under control. Right. I've been there too and there's no magic pill. There's no like – so then you practice one, two, three, and it goes away. There's nothing – what you have to do – what I do know is you have to get as calm as you can get. Yeah. And that is the hardest thing in that moment. To be calm when – Everything's going crazy. There's needs that are all over the place. Your other daughter needs to get to practice. Your daughter's your other daughter's melting down. Right. You're getting frustrated. Your phone's ringing. You're supposed to be answering your email. I mean, I have been there, and I know there's no simple solution – what I can tell you is that practicing being calm in not such crisis-oriented situations mm -hmm. helps you in a crisis situation. Right. So if you are practicing calmness when things are pretty low-key, then you have something to pull from when you're freaking. Because I um, – you know, if it's having quiet time every day, if it's your own meditation, if it's learning how to breathe, if it's having a yoga practice, you have to have something to pull from because it's like – I'll give you an example. So when I was going to have JC, I was pregnant with JC and I decided, oh, I'm going to have a water birth. Oh, yes, I'm going to have a water birth. So you and I had this big plan. We're going to do this. So then I didn't do anything. I didn't learn anything. And then all of a sudden I'm in labor and they're like, hey, you want to water birth? And I'm like, don't get me near that tub. I'm scared to death. I don't know what to do. Give me whatever you can yeah. so I can do this. Relieve this pain. Relieve this pain. And and I had an epidural, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But what I realized is that by the time we got to Skylar, I had to train and practice so when I was in labor, I knew what to do. You can't go into something completely. And when you say practice, what you did was you studied hypnobirthing. I studied hypnobirthing. I studied um, breathing. I had a doula working with me. I had an energy worker. I, I made it a commitment. So then when I got to that place, I would have something to pull from. So when that happened, that's exactly what you did. Yeah, there was I had no need for the epidural. That, mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Put yourself and put your kids in a position to succeed. Right. Maybe Maybe Skyler's melting down because she had a, you know, we watched a national championship last night and she was up after the game was over, which is 11 o'clock. And she's also a Tar Heels fan. Can't. Skyler is? Yeah, I'm kidding. Oh, I was going to say. Didn't North Carolina lose? Yes. I thought you'd be really impressed oh, when I just said that. That was really good. Thank you. I am impressed. That was, even though this show is. It's a week yeah, ago. Yeah, it's a week ago. So our second grader, what grade is she in? Second grade? Second grader? grader? My, you mean together? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the second graders up till 11 o'clock. Yeah, that was way too late. So, you know, once again, look at all of the, the variables, variables of yeah. this. I made it okay. Now, they did go upstairs an hour before, but they started hearing me scream. So they came downstairs. Yeah. Well, 
JC said, can I sit on the stairs and listen to the game? And she wants to know. I mean, yeah. she's just as interested as you are. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah. And so then when one is there, then everyone gets like a magnet. See, I thought that she was sneaking onto no, the stairs. No, she asked. I'm impressed. Because yeah. the minute I saw her on the stairs, I waved her down yeah. and we sat on the couch yeah, together. That was good. And it was fun because it was a miraculous ending to an unbelievable game. Right. And if I would have been by myself, it would have sucked. Totally. Like, cause I'm, I'd be shouting by myself. Right. Well, I was down there, but then I fell asleep. So yeah, I went yeah. back upstairs. Sweetie, you, the way you're like, oh, let's watch basketball together. And then you'll kind of watch, but you'll also be on your phone checking yeah. Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And it's like good background noise. Yeah. Cause you're nervous. It's kind of wish that you would invest emotionally into the event. And the thing is, the closer it is at the end, the less invested you become because you're nervous that somebody I is going to be the goat you would of the game. Invest emotionally in the OJ show that we're watching. I am invested. You are not. I wish John you would Travolta is a wonderful invest actor. Invest emotionally in in the movies that we watch. You actually do do that sometimes. I. It's funny. I rarely. Um, I shouldn't say that. I get frustrated at myself when I'm watching TV and I have my phone. See, in sports for me, I like having it in the background because I feel like everybody's happy and kind of watching and I can just kind of pretend to be alone because I try to be very thoughtful when the girls are around about not being on my phone all the time. And it's nice just to like relax and be like – I the problem – as a parent, I think is sometimes because I'm so aware that the girls are around and that they're watching me and, you know, it doesn't make me nervous or anything, but I feel that lack of freedom. Yeah. Like sometimes I just want to get on the phone. Yeah. I just want to look like, and, and because I'm not doing it all the time, I don't want to feel bad about doing it. So for you to be watching a game, the girls are upstairs. I, I can, I'm going to look at my phone. That's heaven for you. It's, Girls are safe upstairs. Exactly. You're happy with... I'm happy. You can kind of be with me, but you can also be in your own phone right. world. So that, so then to say to me, I want you to invest in this game with me, then yeah. I'm again losing my freedom of just chilling. Sweetie, here's the question. Okay. Whose needs are more important? <laughs> <laughs> Both of our needs. Um. Can I talk about one of our partners sure, go ahead. real quick? John J. Kelly Dentistry. It's not your father's dentist. John Kelly happens to be one of the nicer, nicer guys around. Comprehensive dentistry. He's a smile designer. Forget about the orthodontist. Check out John Kelly. His, email, his website is chicagodentistonline.com. Okay. So I want to talk about emotional hygiene, okay? Because I think it's such a really awesome concept. Okay. And I'm going to try and get a bunch of things in here. Um, So basically, I'm reading this great book by Daniel Goleman, who wrote Emotional Intelligence. He and and the Dalai Lama are like buds, and they've known each other for like 30 years. And so Daniel Goleman wrote a book. um, He interviewed the Dalai Lama and then wrote a book based on his teachings. Cool. And uh, it's called Force for Good. And I just think it's phenomenal. And um, one of the things he talks about at the beginning is how really the message that the Dalai Lama is trying to share is, first of all, genuine compassion. He's trying to help us understand that the way to anything, the way to live, the way to connect to people, the way to find peace is through genuine compassion. Now, genuine compassion is a huge umbrella right. because so much falls under that. But the thing that I thought was so great, I love words and I love when we find new meanings we can identify something that everybody understands with a new word. Um, And emotional hygiene is those, and I guess that's two words, but two words, because basically what he's saying is, okay, 
we practice physical hygiene. We have to, right? Yep. I mean, you don't, but most people do. And, you what know, mean I don't? well, we, we talked about that at the beginning of the show. You don't shower. Oh, I thought you were talking about, okay. I thought you were talking about like physical hygiene, like uh, exercise. No, hygiene. You're is, talking about brushing your teeth and showering. Yeah, that's exercise isn't hygiene. Okay. Isn't exercise a different thing? Yeah, but so is emotions. True, but yeah, okay. Yeah, so back off. <laughs> Don't play the backup thing. I'm not going to play the backup thing. You're going to play it. I'm not going to play it. And it scares me when you play it. See? You're playing it. Sorry. Okay, so emotional hygiene is basically understanding that you have distru- that you have emotions and every emotion has a right to be there because we're all human. It's part of having humanness, being human. But some emotions, when they get out of whack, when they go too far, when they are unchecked, become destructive. Okay. Okay. And really any emotion can become destructive. Like let's talk about desire. If you have desire like, and you set a goal and you have a goal-setting desire, that can be really good, right? Yeah, absolutely. But if you have a desire that goes completely unchecked and it becomes an addiction mm. or it becomes like you, your desire is so strong that you're making poor choices to get to the end you goal. You make all your decisions based off of- The desire. Or maybe even the end result as opposed, anyways. Well, thus the word desire, yeah. right? You want to get somewhere. Yeah, right. And so some desires can just be motivating. But if desire runs wild, yeah. then it can be really negative. Right. So we have to notice that some emotions become- negative and destructive. So it's destructive. not good or bad. Desire is not no. good or bad. It depends on what depends filter you're on looking how, at it through and what you know, energy you give it. Exactly. Like food. Food is good Chocolate because we need it. Chocolate cake is good. But too much food, right. not good for you. Technology, it's good. It connects us. You can die of drinking too much water. It's and so water is what us. we are, what we're made of. It's called hyperhydrating. Marathoners have died before races from drinking too much water. Yeah. I'm just not a big believer in this is good, this is bad. Right. Because I think that... Everything is gray. The reason I bring that example up is everything can be done too much. Correct. Including something as simple as water. Love. People can become addicted to love. Exactly. And they don't have an ability to separate themselves from that feeling. And so it runs crazy. That's emotional hygiene is recognizing when something becomes destructive and making choices to, first of all, notice it. And second of all, do some kind of cleansing, have have an opportunity to, you know, process that emotion, talk about that emotion, um, be cognizant that it's running wild, Um, find other tools to... Or let me say this, find other ways to get to a new emotion, okay. you know, it calming yourself down. And so you get to a more relaxed state. Emotional hygiene is the first step in anything else, because if you don't understand that your anger is running wild, then you blame everybody else for what's happening. So here's my question. So hygiene, it, remind, it it makes me think of something you do every morning. You brush your teeth every morning. Right. You shower every morning. Emotional hygiene, are you talking about like meditation every morning? Because the examples you just gave are like when that you when you happen to find yourself in a certain emotional state, to be aware of it so you can kind of channel it to the next one that's supposed to come well, through. And or now is it both? You're getting into the to-do, like how do you do it, yes. which is a whole nother thing because okay. there's a million, well, million might be strong, but there's many ways and it depends on the person. I think the concept is what I'm trying to help people understand first, okay. that the necessity of emotional hygiene in creating more compassion for the world. Okay. We have to have an understanding of our own destructive emotions. And then how do we do that? It could, to, you know, what we were just talking about before, the last story about the girls, where we recognize 
when we need to really get our feelings out and how do we get our feelings out? Do we, you know, like a, kids tend to have a tantrum. We may need to have a good cry. We may need to journal. We may need to meditate every day. So we practice finding some calmness. And for me, I think because I know it's going to be different for everybody, mine is just, my understanding is just about the self-awareness that it's important. It, it's it's under- the realization that you need to expend energy towards it. Yes. That we- so instead, when I'm asking you, how do you do it? You're like, that, Let's that, not go there. the doing isn't that important. Right. The, the reality of recognizing that this is something that you need to have attention to. Exactly. If you're having a destructive impulse, are you noticing it? Do you realize it's going to be hurtful? Do you realize when you are being self-destructive? Do you recognize when you are saying something hurtful to your child? That's emotional hygiene. And then can you practice a kind of restraint so you're not just going, you know, bulldozing your way through the world and being a bull in a china shop? Right. Because everybody can say, well, the reason I did this is because of them. The reason I'm having a hard time is because of my job. The reason that life is so difficult is because of, you know... But we can't go around blaming everybody else. We have to have an understanding. I was just driving um, after our chiropractic appointment with Dr. Kelly. Uh I was driving and there's a train. So I just stopped. And this lady behind me was slamming on the horn. And I think she thought that like there was a bunch of space in front of me and I was just stopping. Like she had complete and she was so mad at me. And I literally was doing Nothing wrong. So was the train there? I don't understand. The train was there. And the tra- and the gate was down. The gate was down. And she was honking at me as if I had like six car lengths to move up, even though there's a car right in front of me. Wow. So the reason I bring that story up is this lady probably didn't practice a whole lot of emotional hygiene no, today. No, no. Like she was just, and like once a year, and I think I've said this on the show, somebody would just like get mad at me in the car, even though I'm literally doing nothing wrong. Like they're misperceiving the situation. Yeah. And a part of me wanted to get out saying, you know, Dude. put my arms up, lady, what are you doing? Right. Stop right. it. But I, I kind of laugh. I laugh with a twinge of... Annoyance? Annoyance. Eh, not even... Yeah, there's annoyance, frustration. And there's like a... I kind of feel glad that I'm not as mad as that lady is. Yeah. It's almost like the... We don't have to pay them back because we already know they're miserable. Yeah. That we lady don't have was to get miserable. them back. Yeah. Right. Even though... That's my own emotional hygiene is I happen to be in a good mood today. If I was in a crappy mood, I could have gotten out and screamed at her. And here's the thing. Can we be in a crappy mood and still not get out and scream? Yes, That's but it's less hygiene. likely. It, it might. Our chances might be less. The percentage might be less. But I still think we can because that's the thing is we'll say, but I'm so stressed out. It's an excuse. I have a shorter fuse too. So it's not... I'm not saying you can do it. I always do it because there are plenty of times I don't. But I do think it's possible. I don't think that because – because a lot of the stress we carry and a lot of the beliefs we carry, we need to question those too. Yeah. Why are you so stressed out every day? Yeah. If you are stressed out every day and you're yelling at your kids because you're stressed, let's back up and look at why you're stressed out. Oh, I don't like that. It comes so loud in my earphones. No, it's fine. (laughs) not. Believe me, um, I know what don't. your ear level tolerance is. Do you know what I need? I do. I got it. Okay. So these... Uh, by the way, we have the Brene clip too. I don't want you to forget oh, I, about that. I haven't. I haven't. I'm going to get to that. But the um, <clears throat> basically the Dalai Lama says that... The Lama. Uh, the Lama. Our inability uh, to practice emotional hygiene or those destructive uh, emotions, they're the enemies of our well-being. Mm. And it's not that 
anger is an enemy. Anger can be helpful, but anger unchecked not only is destructive in the way we feel, it's literally physically destructive. One of the things that's interesting about the Dalai Lama is he actually does a lot more teaching about universal principles. He obviously teaches, uh, you know, Buddhist information and, and Buddhist teachings, but he's much more interested lately in the science of the mind and why we do what we do and how we understand our emotional intelligence because he wants to help people become more compassionate however he can. That's really his, and again, I'm getting this from the book. It's not that the Dalai Lama and I talk on the phone or anything, but you know, his goal is how can I learn? He brings scientists in to talk to him so he can learn more about the way the brain works. And one of the things that he thought was profound, and we've talked about on this show before, is that when you are angry, it literally eats away at your immune system. Oh, wow. It eats, oh yeah. I mean, Todd, think about it. You know, when you are stressed and you are angry, you deplete your body's ability to function. Right. You literally, you know, don't have as strong of an immune system. Your heart beats differently. We know this from heart math. Yes. You know, your heartbeat gets erratic when you get angry. Your blood doesn't pump as well. Your brain shuts off. Right. These are not healthy things. And so if we just understand that evolution-wise, the whole you know, the whole goal of evolution is to survive. You know, we have to keep surviving. And our body functions appropriately when we are in a calm and peaceful state of mind. And our body functions inappropriately when we are in an out-of-control, angry state of mind, which tells you that's not a natural way to be. Right. That in itself tells you that's not natural. Well, it's kind of like last week we were talking about goodness of people. Our natural state is one of calm exactly. and chill. And, you know, it's this world, the society that we live in, we tend to get distracted quite easily. And not adapting to our new environment because we still have, we still, we get stressed about things that we don't need to be stressed about. We're still, as you know, everybody always says this has become cliche, but we still think we're being chased by tigers and mm. we're not. We're not being chased by wild animals anymore, but we've now allowed our email you know, and, and being backed up on email to cause this stress, you know, hormone to, to run crazy in our body. Right. And it doesn't need to. So we're still learning to adapt to our new environment and not allow our reptilian brain to take over. We're going to have a reptilian brain, but can we be conscious that we do? And then when it starts to kind of get all, you know, worked up, can we practice new behaviors to help us calm down? That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Now, the the point that you just made about Brene Brown, there's this great clip that's been going around Facebook for, for about three or four weeks that I watch, um, I've watched several times because it's just real good. And she talks about how boundaries is an essential component for compassionate people. And so I kind of, I feel like boundaries is a practice of emotional hygiene. So that's one of the to-dos. There you go. Oh, I love to-dos. So what does she mean by boundaries? Um, she means that the ability to be able to say no when you mean no and say this is okay and this isn't okay allows you to then have that own self-understanding and those uh, and your own you're speaking up, you're speaking your truth, you're standing up for what you believe, and then you have the ability to be compassionate to other people. Right. The alternative is you never say no, you do everything for everybody else, you allow people to bother you and take advantage of you, and then you blame them. You don't have compassion for them because you're resentful. So we have to take responsibility for our own boundaries 
then we can come from a place of compassion because we've taken responsibility for our lives. So she says it better than I do. So why don't you go ahead and play that? All right, here we go. Brene Brown. One of the most shocking findings of my work was the idea that the most compassionate people I have interviewed over the last 13 years were also the absolutely most boundaried. Because they, so I'll give you a great definition of the, the, the definition of boundary that I use in the book. Boundary is simply what's okay and what's not okay. What I think we do is we don't set boundaries. We let people do things that are not okay or get away with behaviors that are not okay. Then we're just resentful and hateful. Me, I'd rather be loving and generous and very straightforward with what's okay and what's not okay. Uh, and I did not, I, that I learned from the research. I was the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. I, I assumed for the first 35 years of my life that people were sucking on purpose just to piss me off. Mm -hmm. That's what I assumed. Um, that, yeah, right. Whether it was someone who worked for me or it was someone who, family member who was constantly like, I was always critical and judgy. And I was like, why are they choosing these things? Why are they making their choices? They should know better. And then when this thing came up for my therapist, what if people are doing the best they can? I thought my husband had the most beautiful answer to that question. He said, I'll never know whether people are doing the best they can or not. But when I assume people are, it makes my life better. Makes your life better. Well, if we assume that people are doing the best they can, then we don't have to carry that feeling of resentment and anger that they should be doing better. Yeah. Actually, Todd, I love this when this happens. This connects to what we were talking about with the girls. Even though it's not that we're resentful, if someone is saying, I don't know my address, let's assume she doesn't know. She doesn't know and not guilt her or make her feel ashamed or be frustrated or annoyed that she doesn't. If, if people are doing the best they can, and then Steve, her husband, his point is, I don't know if they're doing the best they can, but I feel better if yeah, I'm just, just going to assume that they are. And isn't that great? Well, it's all about like uh, this is water. I mean, that's yeah. what it, that's what it's all about. It and is. this water is a uh, clip that we played so many times. At least I have in my men's group, and I don't think we've ever played it on the show. But it's too long. It's really powerful, and it's about how. Sure, there may be somebody who's mean to you in, in the grocery checkout line or whatever, but is it possible that that same person helped your mother-in-law at the DMV the day before? It's, pro it's improbable, but is it possible? Yeah. Yes, it is. So why don't you treat that person as if they just helped somebody that you love that you don't know about? Yeah. Um, I'm obviously, you will not feel the gravity just from that little anecdote, but I'll put that clip in the show notes because that, we in our kitchen wall, we have a plaque that says, this is water. And it, it's uh, David Foster Wallace and yes, it's a commencement, uh, commencement speech. speech yeah. um, so extremely powerful stuff. I actually want to show that for our 2017 Zen Parenting Conference next year. Really? I do. All right. But I got to check with the, uh, with the boss. <laughs> That's you. We're, well, we're bosses together. Yeah, but you're kind of the main <laughs> boss. I'm the CEO. I'm the VP. You're the CFO. You're the president of Zen Parenting Industries. I am, I am. the secretary. No, you're I the truly CFO. Am. Are you really? Yeah, I'm the secretary. Because huh. on the tax returns, you there's no place for treasurer. It says secretary or, or president. Nice. So I'm the secretary. I dig that. I didn't think I'd be a secretary in my life, but I guess I am. Yeah. Weren't you in your fraternity? Didn't you guys have secretary? I was a secretary, yeah, I think. that's what I thought. 
There's president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and member at large. What does that mean? Member at large. They didn't do anything, I don't think. Mm. They just sat around. Mm. They got to be on the executive committee, got in the meetings, but didn't do much. I was social chair for three years. Shocking. And my freshman year, I was assistant social chair. Yikes. I was social chair. You like to throw parties. I do. We might throw a party this summer at the pool across the street from our house. Yes. A Zen parenting pool Pool party. party. Nice. I got to talk to the park district about that. I know. We're going to rock it. We're going to keep people up in our neighborhood. That's right. So can we go back to this boundaries thing? No, let's keep talking about pool parties. I got to set some boundaries. So we're 40 minutes in. I know. I know. It's okay. Okay. this, This time thing is... It's it's nothing. It's just because we go, sometimes go 35 minutes, sometimes we go an hour. It's all good. I know. All right. So basically that is, to Todd's point, another tool for understanding our emotional hygiene and for creating a greater compassion for ourselves and for others is to have boundaries. What does she mean by that? If someone said something that offended you Ask them, is something wrong or did I offend you or are you angry with me? If a friend is not being kind to you, call them up and say, I'm feeling like you're not being kind to me. Is everything okay? If your daughter is not talking to you and and or your son and you think they're being quiet, question them and say, is everything okay because I notice you're not talking to me? If your husband is not helpful or is pretending that you know you're not stressed or whatever call them on it in a kind way and say we need to have better communication because i don't feel like you're noticing me instead what we do we would rather feel resentful and carry around that negativity rather than confront it and confronting it is the boundary we don't have to confront it with anger and we don't have to confront it with a sense of you're wrong i'm right you just address the elephant in the room yep deal with it head on. It takes so much more energy to, you know, go back and tell a coworker why one person, you know, is snippy in a meeting or whatever. And then we build this whole story around it and it expends so much of our precious energy. Instead, if you can politely and kindly address it, then it dissipates. It dissipates. Now to have the courage to do that is so much easier said than done. We all take the path of more resistance, even though we think it's harder to do the other thing. So I don't know. It's just well, not an easy thing. I think it's a it's a worthy practice. Yes. I think that we may not do it perfectly, but you know, if you guys read Rising Strong and um, I got to see Brene speak like three times last year and you and I went to see her speak here mm-hmm. in Evanston too. And her one of the stories that she always shares is being in a meeting and um, she was, you know, I had talking about something in the meeting. I can't remember. She told a story two different ways. One where she was the one that was annoying someone mm-hmm. and one where she was annoyed by someone else. But the one where she was annoyed by someone else is someone kind of like got out of the meeting and they were annoyed and kind of shaking their head like – and she – took that to she thought that meant that that person was annoyed with her or um, annoyed about the meeting or that something that was said and first she went to her office and was like oh my gosh i can't believe that person was annoyed you know i can't believe that they would be so they would shake their head like that coming out of the meeting and she finally decided to just go ask her instead of build up that resentment inside and she went and knocked on the door and said i noticed that you were kind of shaking your head after the meeting is there something i can do to help you and she said oh it had nothing to do with you i had gotten a text from my daughter and she always texts me when i'm in a meeting so it had nothing to do with brene in the first place yet she could have carried that and become resentful and ended up treating that person different based on that so that's so for one thing 
boundaries are good in understanding the story as it really is. Right. The other part, it, say the woman said, yes, I am annoyed at you. Then they can at least clear the air yeah. rather than like walk on eggshells around each other. So we have to do this. If we expect our children to do this in life, we have to be able to practice this with them and with our partner. And I know it's hard, you guys. I used to be so bad at this. I mean, I was I was miss passive aggressive because I was always afraid Todd would stop liking me yeah. if I called him on anything. So I know that feeling, but my practice for the last 10 years has been when something's upsetting you, you politely I, bring it up. I come to him and say You don't I, scream at me. You say, no. "Listen, this is what's bothering me." And it's so much easier as a husband to deal with that than a woman screaming at me. And a lot of times I'm not right. Yeah. A lot of times it's I'm feeling this way, this is happening, and it's not. Yeah. It's just I'm feeling that way. And so just you know, the ability to, ability to at least say it and have a discussion about it is healing in itself. And then I trust Todd and he trusts me because that's one thing I know or I hope I know and I'm talking for you. But if I tell you I'm okay, you know I'm okay. Um, most of the time. Sometimes it takes a few tries for me to extract information from you. True. I'm, that's that's fair. But what I mean is that if I am going along normal and I'm not being passive aggressive, and I'm not talking about the times that I'm like, look sad and you can't get information yeah. from me. I mean, you know that if I'm okay, I'm really okay, yeah. that I'm not carrying an old resentment or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, after we've, if something were to come up, after we process it through process through it and you say you're okay, I know you're yes, okay. That's kind of that's what I mean. That's at the end of right. a heavy discussion. But like today, like if I come home and I'm like, hey, there's something, you know, you know I'm really good. Mm. Like I don't pretend to be good. No. I'm pretty- it's pretty authentic. It's pretty, you know, if, if I'm not feeling good, it, there is, you know, you're going to know. Not well, be- and one boundary you set today is I wanted to go work out and I said, I don't know if I'll be back in time. Will you mind picking up the girls? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well- I need to work too. Right. It would have been very easy for you to say, oh, you know, put your own needs aside. So what you decided was let's rock, paper, scissors for it. (laughs) And then you dropped them off this morning. So I figured it was only fair for me to pick them up. So anyways, but that was one small example of a boundary you set. Right, right. I think a lot of husbands and wives struggle with that. Like they always put the other person's needs in front of their own at their own expense. Because that person asked. Yeah. You know, like the thing is, is that Todd and I were, we were working at home and then I said, I'm going to go upstairs, write something because I want to be by myself and then I'm going to do yoga upstairs. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to go work out and I may not be there in time to pick up the girls. So can you do it? And he's already, before I even started talking, he already knew what he was going to ask me. So he's not processing the fact that I'm going to do the exact same thing. So I'm just bringing to his attention, well, I'm working out too. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to cut my workout short. So then the only fair thing in my mind is rock, paper, scissors, because it's not like- And I knew if we played rock, paper, scissors, I would totally beat you. You did not. Yes, I did. I'm good at rock, paper, scissors. So that's why I surrendered on the rock, paper, scissors, and instead just did what was right. Baloney. I would have thrown rock, you would have thrown scissors, it would have been over, over. Maybe I would have thrown paper no. on no. rock. No. And then I would have won. Remember that Simpsons where the I think Lisa and Bart are doing <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, and Lisa says in her head, poor predictable Bart always throws rock. <laughs> no. It's a very boyish thing because rock is like the best. Right. You know, it's like you can hammer something with a rock. Right. Anyways. But rock only... Hits scissors. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a good one. 
Well, it's no better or worse than True. either of the other two. Because if yeah, but it's not like it's consistently good. Is no, what and I that's mean. why Maggie or Lisa, I forget Lisa. which one. Maggie's the baby. Lisa knew that Bart throws rocks. So all she has to do is throw some paper, and she's she's golden. Eat my shorts. No, that's from Breakfast Club. No, uh, actually, it's that's Bart, and it's also Breakfast Club. Eat my, my shorts. Short. Does he say shorts? Yes. Don't be messing. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. All right. Okay. So anyway. Can I play something for you? Please. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. Emotional hygiene, everybody. We got this great, uh, um, on our webpage, you can leave us a voicemail. And we got this really nice voicemail from this lady. So. Oh, you a, already played that. No, this is this new. This is a new one? Oh. New one. Hi, Kathy and Todd. My name is Rachel. I'm a social worker in my mid-20s. And I just wanted to express my gratitude to both of you for the amazing podcast that you both produce. Um, Even though I don't have children of my own, um, because of the type of work that I do with um, both children and their families, I have found this podcast to be extraordinarily helpful, both professionally and personally. And I just want to let you know that your messages have really had a deep impact on me. And I am so grateful for that. So thank you so much. And I just, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your work. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Non-parenting Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much. And you know, when I was 25, I was a social worker um, also at a hospital and I used to work with parents and I wasn't a parent. Um, And I now look back on that and it was hard. It's not easy to work with families um, because a lot of times they call you on that. You know, they'll say, do you know? And, And I think that I was helping them the best I could. And I think I did help. And Rachel, you're doing a great job and thank you for doing what you do because it's not an easy profession. And thanks for taking the time to uh, leave us that message. Yeah, there's more where that came from. That was really nice. Uh, so if you want to leave us a voicemail, go ahead and go to our website. Did I talk about Dr. Kelly yet? Uh-huh. The other Dr. Kelly. Both um, of them? Oh, I don't think I talked about the other Dr. Kelly. Dr. Kelly from Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Her website is chirotree.com. And check her out. She's, we were just there. We were just there. And then our last partner is that bald-headed beauty, Jeremy Kraft. Uh, from Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout throughout the Chicagoland area. Avidco.net, 630-956-1800. Do us a solid and support our partners. Well, you guys, helps us, makes us look good in front of our partners. That's right. Which is what I'm all about is looking good. Yeah, Todd's all about looking good and smelling good. And not showering. Except when he's not showering. One time uh, I went to my buddy Adam's house. Yeah. And he knows that my hygiene ain't up to par. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, do you, I was sleeping over that night because I was going to overserve myself, uh-huh. pre-planned over-serving. Yeah, it's healthy. And I said, do you have somewhere where I can put all my stuff? Uh-huh. And he kind of looked at me because I'm not the type of guy to- Bring stuff? Bring stuff. And I took my toothbrush out of my pocket and put it on the <laughs> table. <laughs> well, at least you had that. I'm very good with teeth. I, I give myself an A for teeth. You know what? I give you a B because I floss and you do not. Flossing's for suckers. No, it's not. It's for suckers. Ask a dental hygienist. Ask I, John Kelly. You can ask John Kelly, or I know several dental hygienists. I like the uh, the green things that we use. Yes, I do too. What I buy them. What are those called? Toothpicks with the strings? They're called floss. No, but when I think of floss, I think of that stupid little container, and well, then you got to wrap it's, it it's up. It's like a flossing stick or something. It's like there's a handle for it. Flossing stick? It's a flossing handle stick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, 
it's 50 minutes in. We'll do the a time questions person. later. We have a few questions. Let's do one of them. All right. Because I said I was going to do. All right. Um, this would be a quick one. I'd like some advice about my eight-year-old who's in third grade. He can be quite impulsive at times, but has been working really hard to make good choices lately. Hey. Outside of school, we haven't done this one yet, have we? No, I just okay. said great, meaning that's good. Outside of school, he's very active in sports. He loves playing many sports and has made some really great friends throughout. I worry a bit about the kids he chooses to play with at school. There are a few boys that display quite violent behavior when they're playing. I know I can't tell him who he can and cannot be friends with, but I really struggle with who he has been choosing to hang out with these days. His teacher is wonderful, agrees that they're probably not an ideal crowd to be with. Mm. She often lets him stay to eat his lunch and they go out to play after just to give him a bit of a break from the intense chaos as he can get overstimulated quite easily. Any advice? Well, I think they've already got one thing in place that sounds really good. Emotional hygiene? Well, no, no. Didn't you oh. just say that the teacher lets yeah, him stay? Yeah, the teacher in? is an ally and she understands. Yeah. That's good. I think that's wonderful. And I think that um, you can always have conversations with your kid. Like you said, I, I love that you understand that you can't say you can't play with these boys. Because right, that's not good because he'll move towards them quicker. Right. They're in his class and he may not have a ton of choices and he's just kind of, you know, catching up and and hanging out with them. But you can talk to him about maybe even ask questions like, tell me what the boys play. Does does it ever feel like it's really rough? Um, is there ever, you know, do you enjoy staying in with the teacher? Like, I think he, what you got to find out is, does he enjoy playing with these kids? And I don't know if she says that in the question or not. Um, but to your point, if he's doing it begrudgingly because of peer pressure, right. that's one thing. But if he likes roughing it up with these guys... That doesn't sound, from my perspective, like such a bad thing. Well, and that's what I was just going to say is that the it's not so much about changing any behavior or doing anything. It's about keeping the conversation open. And it's about staying in touch with the teacher about what she's seeing and noticing. Because it sounds like he's making some pretty good choices. And, you know, what eight-year-old boy isn't impulsive? Yeah. I mean, I really – I'm saying that, you know, truthfully, like – it's a time when boys are acting sometimes aggressively and impulsively and, you know, they're all over the place. And I kind of I call that childhood. You know, that's what they're doing. I mean, obviously, if you've seen more extreme behaviors, I, I don't know. And only, you know, that as his mom. But I think that if he's been making some great choices and remember, you know, he may not be with these kids forever. Like next year, he may have a completely different classroom. Um, I think any kind of experience um, like our kids, all of them have had one year or two that's been really difficult for right. whatever reason. If it been because of a kid hasn't been nice to them or they didn't have friends in the class or a difficult teacher. And that's always a good learning experience for them. Mm. As long as we can support them through it and not get too focused on it's going to be like this forever because right. this too shall pass. And so how do we help them get through it and keep them focusing on their own emotional hygiene? You know, how are you feeling? How are you, you know, expressing your emotions? Um, I, I think just stay connected to him and I, stay connected to the teacher. Yeah. Just know you're doing a good job. It's yeah, all good. Yeah. Give yourself a pat on the back. Like just that you're aware and conscious of what's going on is light years ahead of most people. There you go. Um, you, exactly right. You're completely tuned into him. You are attuned to him and that in itself is going to make a huge difference. There you go. Um, anything else? What'd you just say? There you go. I thought you said this or go. This or go. Um, no, I'm good. 
April 18th. Oh, so uh, next Monday, um, April 18th, Todd and I will be at the screening of Finding Kind at York High School here in Elmhurst, Illinois. There's two screenings, 3.30 and 6.30. It's a documentary um, about kindness. I highly recommend it. I've seen it several times. And then we're going to be facilitating the Q&A. So um, please show up. It's free. That's right. And then... um don't forget about my buddy uh, Bill at FamZoo. We uh, have a partnership with them, and they're awesome. So if you want to teach your kids about sound financial management uh, at a younger level, he's your guy. And then uh, my life coaching. I am looking for a new client or maybe two. So if you're interested in getting coached by Todd Adams, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. He's pretty smart. I recommend him. Thanks, sweetie. You're welcome. Uh, words of wisdom? Emotional hygiene. That's what the Dalai Lama says to do. He says, destructive emotions are the en- the enemies of our well-being. So be conscious of them. Find ways to stay connected to yourself and let those feelings go. And I'll say keep trucking. <laughs> Adios. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FamZoo. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.